praise. We give God the glory. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Amen. So we're in our biblical studies on this lovely evening. 
here in U.S., some places it may be morning or afternoon, so we're here all together as one. You know, last week we talked about the heavenly bread, and I said that we're talking about seven um, principles, kingdom principles. And so the first kingdom principle that we talked about was heavenly bread, the I am. We know that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. Amen. And just briefly summing it up, don't, I'm not going to go back through the whole lesson, but we talked how the living bread, the heavenly bread, represents a person, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, and that it also represented something even more when we read in the book of Exodus chapter 16. When we read Exodus chapter 16 from um, verses 1 through, thir- 1 through 18, it talked about the manna and it talked and it described it. It described how small it was, how round it was, how white it was, and that it came at night. And also it talked about how sufficient it was for every man's need and how sweet it tastes and how it um, they were supposed to keep it and gather it. And it also illustrated who was the giver, which was our Lord Jesus Christ, the master which the heavenly bread was something that we began to touch more on and how we said that by Jesus Christ being our heavenly bread he gives us a satisfaction bringing true um, bringing true um, salvation to us uh, with a guarantee so that's what we studied on last week and I said on this week by God's grace if we make it that we're going to talk about counting the cost Counting the cost, the finishing first principle, counting the cost. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word in the mighty name of Jesus as we go forth to learn your word. Lord God, we ask you to open up our understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's go over to the book of Mark, chapter 10. Mark, chapter 10. Mm. We welcome everybody, SOAR International Outreach Network. God bless everybody. I'm the Apostle, and I'm glad that everybody is on. Those that's listening online, the podcast, may God bless you all over. And those that are coming and those that are here, God bless you as well for coming. Mark chapter 10. Let's go to verses 35 through 45. And we're going to go ahead and read. Amen. It says, then Jesus and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you asked. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized with, you be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. 
but it is for those whom, whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them? Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever so desire to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever you desire to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. So that is our passage of scripture that we're going to stand on on this evening, talking about counting the cost, the finishing first principle. Amen. So even as um, Jesus told them, you know, they were like, Lord, hold on, we want to sit at your right hand. We want to sit at your left hand. They thought that that was so important to be known, to be seen, to sit in a toe, in a, in, in, in a position you know right in the in the front and center but jesus had to let them know you know it's not all about you it's not all about somebody serving you but you should want to be you should be a servant meaning you shall be willing to serve not just to be served but willing to serve amen so when you when you look at everything um, in this whole passage of scripture, it, 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 it allows us to see that they had like a selfish ambition. Amen. They had a selfish ambition. They was worried about sitting at the right hand or at the left hand of the father. Amen. Instead of, you know, thinking about helping others, you know, it was all about them. You know, who was the greatest? You know, who was going to be first? You know, nobody wanted to be last. Nobody wanted to serve. Everybody wanted to be close and up front with Jesus. Every he, Everybody wanted Jesus to be their right-hand man. They wanted to do everything right in Jesus' eyes so that he can look at them to say that they were the greatest and, 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 and pick them out of all the other disciples. But Jesus was letting them know that it's not about who you think you are it's not about you want to be first but it's about you serving so at the end of the day they had such a selfish ambition amen but when jesus and john they came to ask jesus for the top seat in the kingdom you know right now in ministry you know that's what you see you see so many people that want to be prophets you see so many people that want to be apostles you know they're going out getting people to ordain them never sat up under anybody never followed anybody never learned anything from anybody but because the lord spoke to them and they began to prophesy and they began to do this and they began to do that they feel like no we got to have the top seat we got to be a bishop we got to be an archbishop we got to be an apostle we got to be this we got to be that it's all about positioning but at the end of the day those are gifts gifts that god give us to operate he gives us a measure and every gift to operate um appropriately in order to fulfill what it is that he wants us to feel so the assignment is not our assignment the assignment is his assignment so trying to get the top seat or trying to be in the front seat is not important 
The thing is making sure you master the gift that God has given you, making sure that you do it at your best, but allow the spirit of God to move in you and work through you so that you can do everything according to the will of God. So it's not just about getting the top seat. It's not just getting the right seat. It's not just trying to get the front seat. You know, when we were little, we would always say, I got the front seat. Nobody wanted to sit in the back seat in the car. Amen. But a lot of parents, they didn't let their children sit in the front seat. They made sure that they sat in the back seat for safety, making sure that they had their seatbelts on and everything. But as you got older, you were old enough to sit in the front seat. So you and your siblings, y'all would argue over who going to sit in the front seat or you would argue on who going to get in the front seat. And sometimes you may call the front seat. But if you don't run to the front seat and get the front seat, you may not get the front seat. Amen. So you can call the front seat. That don't mean that you will get the front seat. So you will begin to what? Fight over the front seat, which it doesn't matter because long as you're getting to your destination, it doesn't matter who sits in the front or who sits in the back. Just long as you get there. Amen. Hallelujah. But this is what the disciples were doing. They were arguing about top seats in the kingdom of God. But Jesus began to teach them something valuable amen he wanted to teach them what leadership was all about it's not just about sitting in the front seat it's not about just having a seat of authority it's not just about saying that i'm i'm an apostle and i'm and i'm this and i'm that but it's about first of all your 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 character your integrity your loyalty to god so he want to teach them leadership what leadership is it why leadership is so important amen and also serving others. Amen. Teaching them how to serve others rather than to be served themselves. Because a lot of times when we go, we want to be served. We don't want to serve others. We don't want to, you know, most of the time you see leaders, you know, they come in. They may not clean up. They may not pick up because they feel that they're in the authorities. But at the end of the day, no. If something is down, we should want to clean up, right? If something needs to be done, no matter what gift we operate in no matter what position we operating in we should be able to do what needs to be done we shouldn't have to wait for somebody to come and clean if we're there why can't we clean amen i'm just saying so at the end of the day that's serving you know because we're serving in the house of god we're doing the things that need to be done in the house of god instead of waiting on everybody else to come and do it when we're there now, i'm not saying not getting a team of people to clean or get a team of people to do other things but if those individuals may not make it or cannot come you want to be able to do those things as well yourself so Jesus thought that it was very important for them to understand what leadership was and how serving others was so important and also forgiveness. Amen. So as we continue to move through this passage of scripture, we're going to talk about the high cost of fishing first. Amen. And I want to make sure that our thoughts are, are, are there to begin to think through these passages of, of scripture, because at the end of the day, we must understand that. They had a selfish petition. Amen. They had a selfish. It was all about them. It was all about them sitting in a certain place. It wasn't about nobody else, but who would sit at the right, who would sit at the left. So their thoughts was not even, you know, they didn't even consider their thoughts being important. That wasn't important at all. Who going to sit in the front or who going to sit in the back? The thoughts is seeing how they can serve better in the kingdom of God. Amen. So we must also consider our thoughts. Amen. Before we begin to speak, before we begin to move, 
we should want to be a servant to others amen and more of a blessing to others and by serving others because it's better to serve rather than to be served because when you learn to serve god will make sure that you have everything that you need so make sure that you don't have a selfish petition when you're going out asking for things you know a lot of times our motives is not right so i look at that being a selfish petition because we're petitioning something that is all about us but it's not furthering the kingdom of god our petition should be able to further the kingdom of god to make things better to bring a change amen because when you look here in um, verse 35 and 37 it says then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? Then they said to him, Grant us that we may sit on the right hand and the other on the left in your glory. So this was a, a, a request that James, excuse me, James and John, hallelujah, James and John approached Jesus asking that they may be allowed to sit with him in the highest position of his coming of the kingdom. Amen? Because the right-hand seat was reserved for the person who was second in rank, while the left-hand seat was reserved for the person who was third in rank. So James and John both saw themselves as leaders among the disciples, amen, among everybody else. So they weren't thinking about them. They were thinking about where their positioning was going to be, where they were going to sit. Even though all the disciples were there, all the disciples be, was doing pretty much the same thing. But they felt as though that they should be the one that sit in the right seat. They should be the one that sit in the left seat. And they wanted to make sure that they seat was permanent before anybody else began to think about where they would be positioned when Jesus come and he began to go through his death, burial, and resurrection. So they wanted to make sure that their seat, hallelujah, was permanent. They wanted to make sure that they had a seat. You know, when you go somewhere, you want to make sure that you're able to secure a seat. You know, especially when there's a big event. You you know, most of us, we want to sit in the front. So we'll make sure we get there early just to be able to sit in the front. Because if you don't get there early, then there may not be no seats in the front. And then all the other seats may not be a good positioning to be able to see what it is that you want to look at. But they were literally asking for three things. They wanted permits. They wanted the glory, the honor that came from being elevated to the throne. They wanted proximity. They wanted to be close to Jesus in the kingdom. And they also wanted power. Again, they wanted primacy. They wanted excuse me. Um, pro, um, they wanted to be priori priority. And they wanted power. So they wanted to have priority. They wanted to have power. And they wanted to have primacy. Amen. So they wanted to have all of these positions, hallelujah, and great authority in the coming kingdom. Amen. So that's why they began to ask Jesus up front. Hallelujah. But at the end of the day, these, this was not a good request. Amen. Because it wasn't about having that seat. Amen. For the coming kingdom. Because, matter of fact, the things that was going to need to be done, you ain't going to have time to sit. Amen. When you're doing the work of God, you got to be able to keep moving. Amen. You got to keep moving, going to and from the places that God sent you. Hallelujah. So he began to make them think more about their question. You know, the question that they asked, it just didn't make sense. You know, it was all about selfish ambitions. Amen. But he wanted them to also realize what they asked for. He wanted them to know, like, it's not even about the seat. It's not even about the position. 
it's not even about what rank that you think that you may come in um, after I go through my death, my burial, my resurrection. That's not important. But at the end of the day, they first had to base their relationship with Jesus. You know, they're talking about a position. They're talking about a seat. But what was their relationship with Jesus? Amen. Their request should have been, Jesus, what is our relationship with you? How closer do we need to get with you? Do we need to abide more and more in you? Do we need to seek you more and more? These were the questions that they needed to ask. Amen. But at the end of the day, when you go over to Matthew, I want you to go over to Matthew chapter 20 and um, verses 20 and 21. Amen. Hallelujah. And it also talks about relationship there. Amen. Hallelujah. But at the end of the day, the request that they made, amen, it all dealt with timing. But Jesus had just finished telling them they're going to Jerusalem and that he was going to be betrayed. He's going to be rejected and he's going to be killed. But they are so worried about who going to be in position. They were so worried about who was going to sit in the front seat. I'm just saying the right hand, the left hand. That's all they were worried about. They, they, they didn't care about going to Jerusalem. They didn't care about Jesus being betrayed. Because they should have been more worried about those things. Like, well, who going to betray you, Jesus? Wait a minute. Nobody can't even get to you because we got you covered. I'm just saying. He's going to be rejected. And he's going to be killed. Amen. Those were the things that were coming. But at the same time, all they were thinking about was what? Climbing to the top. They didn't care about him being betrayed. They didn't even care about going to Jerusalem. They didn't care about him being rejected and killed. They wanted their seat. They wanted the right hand. They wanted the left hand. They wanted to know who was going to be the greatest out of them all. That was their only concern. Their only concern was their positioning. Their only They, they wasn't concerned about Jesus and him about to die. They, 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 they wasn't concerned about Jesus dying for their sin. They wasn't concerned about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. They was just worried about sitting at the right hand or sitting at the left hand. So they was just worried about their own positioning. And when you look at it, it's like being cold-hearted, you know, self-centered, un, 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 you know, not even having any um, sympathy you know, that Jesus is about to go through this rejection, that Jesus is about to go through this prosecution, that Jesus is about to be betrayed. But they never even thought of that. All they knew was that Jesus was headed to the cross. They didn't know how he was going to get there and what was going to be the ending. All they were worried about is sitting at the right hand, sitting at the left hand. All they were able to see was the crown. All they was able to see was the coming kingdom to come because they talked about the coming kingdom. They knew he would go. But who would be in that position? Who would be in that right seat? Who would be in that left seat? That's all they worried about. They didn't care nothing about his betrayal. They didn't care nothing about his death. They didn't care nothing about that, how he was going to be prosecuted. They, all they worried about was their seat. They wanted the crown without the cross. They just wanted the glory. You know, most of the time, that's what most people want. They just want the glory. They don't want to go through nothing. 
That's why I said today, this right here, we're talking about counting the cost. Finishing first principle. Because there's a cause for the anointing. There's a cause for any and everything that we do. There is a cause in the matter. We have to first die to ourselves. Meaning that we have no more of our own self ambitions. We have no more of our own things dealing with us. We must die out to ourselves. We must allow our pride to die out. We must allow, you know, because we allow our pride to overtake us. Because all we want is what we want. And sometimes it's not even what God wants. But because we want it. And that's dangerous. Because sometimes God don't let things happen because he knows the end. He knows that it's not going to end well. He knows that they're not going to do you right. He knows that it's not going to come through for you. But we still continue to kick the grain and go for what we want. And then when we get to that place and things don't work the way that we thought that they would work, then we begin to murmur and complain. When God tried to stop us, God tried to cause every little thing for it not to happen. But because we kept pressing and saying it's the devil, no, come on, God, you got to give it to me. He said, okay, I'm trying to tell you that it's me. It's me telling you don't go to that way because I know the end. But because we want it, we want it so bad. We have such a request. When we want something, we go after what we want. But the thing is, they, this request that they had was not the request that Jesus was looking for. All they were concerned about was the glory. They wanted, they didn't care about finishing first, meaning making sure that they were in the things that God wanted them to be in and making sure that they were dealing with their own insecurities and the things within themselves. You know, a lot of times we don't want to look at our own insecurities. We don't want to look within. We always want to point the finger outwardly or we don't, we want to ignore the things that God is trying to show us. But they all they was worried about was sitting at the right hand, sitting at the left hand. So they had issues. They were filled with so much pride. And when you are filled with so much pride, pride always leads to defeat. Okay, let me help you. Proverbs 16 and 18. I told you you all we'll be going through the Bible as we're as we're learning as well. So you can write down these scriptures. And when you get time, you can come back and really study them more. But I'm going to read it. Amen. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Let's go. We welcome everybody that's coming on. Let's come on as well. Proverbs 16 and 18. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 19. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud he who heeds the word wisely will find good and whoever trusts in the lord happy is he amen amen so we thank god for that right but their hearts was filled with so much pride what if god gets more glory from finishing last <laughs> you know ask yourself that hallelujah so it's not about always finishing first what happened if you finish last? See, sometimes 
We know the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So even if you finish last does not mean that you're a failure. Maybe God wanted you to get more out of it in your finishing. So the thing is, just make sure you finish. So that's why we say it's the finishing principle. Not just finishing first, but finishing what we stop. Finishing what we don't finish. Finishing what we procrastinate in doing. So that's why we must be humble. Must have a submissive spirit. Because when we are humble and we allow humility to take us, we can prevent a lot of things from happening that shouldn't happen. Yes, some failures are going to happen in our life. But more to, most of the time, when failures happen in our life, when we keep on pushing and going forth, one day, one day, we will succeed. So don't give up. You got to have a response. See, Jesus responded to them. They asked him a question. Please. Let us what sit at the right hand, at the left hand. Those that's just coming on, we in Mark chapter 10, um, 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 verses 35 to 45. It's talking about the greatness of serving. That's the greatness. When you learn to serve, a lot of times people think just coming and just showing up is more than serving. No, you coming and being a helping hand is the greatest. You know, serving is the greatest. You know, a lot of times we come to receive, but when you come and serve, oh my God, God really takes care of you. You know, when you have a servitude or a servant spirit, servant spirit, oh my God, yes, you're going to go through things, but I'm telling you, God always takes care of you. So Jesus gave them a response. See, they had a, um, they, they had, um, a petition, but he got a response. Jesus responded by telling them that they have no idea what they're asking for. He confronted them by asking them if they are willing and able to experience all that he's about to endure. So if you want the seat to the right, if you want the seat to the left, and if you want the front seat, are you willing to endure what I'm about to endure? I'm about to be prosecuted. I'm about to be rejected. I'm about to be killed. I'm about to be, you know, we know what Jesus went through. Are you going to be able to go through all of that? So that's why he even said to them, let's go here. I got to read. He said to them, we are able. He said to them, will you indeed drink the cup that I drink? So that right there, he was saying, are you willing to go through rejection? Are you willing going through um, uh, betrayal? Are you willing to go through being ridiculed and being lied on and being cheated on and, and, and all these type of vile things that's going to happen? Are you willing to take that? Because if you're willing to take that, you can have a front seat. You can have a right hand and a left hand. But I'm going to tell you something. It ain't going to be easy. But if you're willing to endure to the end and you still standing, and why not? So he had to tell him, like, wait a minute. See, the cup represented a life experience. That's why he wanted them to know, are you willing to go through this life experience that I'm about to go through? So that's why he asked them. He said, um, said to them, are we able? So Jesus said to them, would you indeed drink the cup that I drink? And with the baptism, baptized, you be baptized? The death? Are, are you willing to take this cup? Are you willing to take this life experience? 
So even when he began to, to, to use the word baptism, he it referred to being submerged or emerged in the experience. So are you willing to go through being merged and, and, and be submerged in, in, in this um, um, prosecution, in this death, in this, re- in this rejection? Amen. Because I'm about to be emerged in an experience that you cannot never or ever imagine. Are you able to go through it too? I don't think we would be able to go through what Jesus went through. I don't think none of us would be able to go through the beating and how they ripped, hallelujah, his, 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 his flesh from his bones and still made it to Calvary. I, I don't think we would just give up in so much agony. He went through agony. He didn't go through just pain. Agony. Abba, Jesus, you had to have God on your side to go through that. You wouldn't even make it. Just seeing your flesh ripped out like that, you a faint. Just seeing your body deteriorate like that, you just can't, won't take it. Are, are you able to go through this? Then he tell, they tell him that they can. Hey, are you sure? You know, a lot of times you tell people like, you know what, just hold on. Be patient. God knows. God is good. And they look at you like, I already know God is good. I've been patient. And I just can't. But I'm saying. Are you ready? Are you ready to go through the submerging? Are you ready to be emerged in the experience? Or, or do you want to wait and allow God to shape you and get you ready so that when you do go through this life experience, you're able to stand? But a lot of times we don't want to wait. A lot of times we don't want our patience to work for us. We, we want it now. We, it's like a microwave world. We want it now. We want to pop it in and pop it out. We want it now. But they said, oh, we can wait. Oh, we can. But they didn't understand what awaits Jesus. They didn't understand what he was about to go through. They didn't understand this betrayal, this rejection, and this prosecution that Jesus was about to face. They, they didn't understand it. They, they thought they just knew he was the Messiah. They, they knew like, oh, he's, he's, he's the kings of kings. Oh, nothing can touch him. Nothing can happen to Jesus. But their response revealed a complete lack of understanding. That concerned what Jesus was about to suffer and the load he was about to carry. He was about to carry the cross. He was about to carry us. The cross was us. The cross was us. He carried us to Calvary and then he allowed us to live again. He died. And the cross died with him. And we they, we received life. He carried us so that we can have life and life more abundant. So Jesus knew on his way to Calvary, he was going to bear the sin of us. Amen. So Jesus was about to experience such a agony, such a a, 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 a harsh death. And he also was going to experience the undiluted wrath of Almighty God against sin and us as sinners. Jesus, it was about, he was about to die at the hands of the Heavenly Father. I need you to study Isaiah chapter 53 verses 1 through 6. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. 1 Peter 2 and 24. 
Because it's going to give you more understanding on what I just explained to you. Again, Isaiah 53 verses 1 through 6. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. And 1 Peter 2 and 24. So we talked about their request. Then we gave you the response. That's verse 38 and 39. And now the 39 and 40 is the revelation. 39 and 40 says, they said to him, we're able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that you drink. And with the baptism, I'm baptized with you be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it is prepared. Hallelujah. So the revelation in all of that is Jesus telling them that they will experience his same his same pain, amen, to a degree, not as Jesus went through, but they're going to go through some pain. They're going to go through some hard times. They're going to go through some letdowns and some disappointments. But at the end of the day, they will die for their faith. And all of them died such a mortal death, except for John. And he was exiled to Panamas and greatly prosecuted for his faith. So the disciples, hallelujah, they walked the same road as Jesus walked, but they could never endure what Jesus suffered for. Amen? Not at all. Because they wouldn't have been able to make it through that. But they did suffer. They suffered. Amen? So Jesus wanted them to know it's not about positioning in the kingdom. Amen? So he told them that positions in the kingdom would not be given out based on selfish ambitions, but according to the will of the Father. Because he told them, he says, it is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. So it's letting us know that it's not about us getting positioning from people, getting anointing from people. We get anointing and gifts from the Almighty God. God anoints us. God released the gifts to us. God allows us to walk in the fivefold ministry. It is God who ordained us and commissions us. Hallelujah. He commissions us. He ordains us. Hallelujah. He puts us in the offices that he put us in. So it is God Almighty. Amen. So when God Almighty gives us those things, amen, it is for the will of God. It is not for our benefit. But it is for the will of God. Because God knows where, God knows exactly what we're going to do. So that's why he chooses who he chooses that he wants to promote in the kingdom of God. That he wants to give the gift to. He knows the measure to give to who and the measure to give what. Because he knows what we can handle. Amen. So blessed is the person who serves where they are allowed and the Lord God determines where they should go. And the extent of their ministry, not what we say or where people put us. Amen. So we talked about the petition. We talked about the response. And we talked about the revelation. So 41 through 44 says, And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Yeah. Yeah. They tried to lead them out. You know, James and John trying to fight for the right hand and left hand. 
And they all walking the same road. So yes, they like, wait a minute. We ain't happy with that. How y'all trying to get close up here with Jesus while we doing the work just trying to get a seat? Hallelujah. They weren't happy at all. Amen. But Jesus called to them himself and said to them, you know, that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave of all. Even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Did you hear what he said? Jesus didn't even come to be served. He came to give life and life more abundantly. So there is an aspiration. Amen. Because when the rest of the disciples heard about this, amen, they became not only displeased, displeased means they were angry. They weren't happy. They were angry because they were trying to promote themselves again over them. When they felt like they all been doing the same work, amen. But at the same time, James and John thought that they were closer to Jesus. And because they were closer to Jesus, hey, they should be first, amen. So that's why the, the situation became so not a good situation. But at the same time, again, there's always a reaction. And the reaction, the act, the reaction was, the reaction was that James and John should not have even tried to consider a seat. Because it was not even about where they were going to be positioned because Jesus was about to face the most hardest part of his life. Amen. So at the end of the day, it's like they felt like they were old that seat. But at the same time, a lot of times, that's what we feel. We feel like we're old something. Somebody owes us something. When in reality, nobody owes us anything. Amen. So a lot of times when we feel like people owe us something, we become offended with them. And then we allow anger to creep up in our hearts. But at the end of the day, we don't owe anybody anything. All we owe them is love. Because the Bible says that no matter what, we must love. We must love even the hard ones that's hard to love. Amen? So at the end of the day, we owe them love. But we get so offended. We hold grudges against one another sometimes for no reason at all. Because we feel like somebody owes us something. And at the end of the day, they may do owe you something. But the thing is, it's, it's, that's not important because God takes care of us. And if you so, that, that, that's another teaching. I don't want to get too into that one. That's another teaching. But a lot of times people are offended and they hold grudges. Amen. And, and it's really not good because then... Anger begins to set up in their hearts and then, then they're full of unforgiveness. Amen. And when you're full with unforgiveness, God cannot work in that kind of environment. God cannot work in that kind of atmosphere. And he definitely can't move in that type of temple. So he can't work in you with that type of environment, that type of anger, that type of unforgiveness, that grudge. Amen. You know, people say one thing and do another thing. If they don't do it, that's fine. But I always tell people, just do it. You know, don't, don't, because the enemy, when it, when your words go out, he's going to already try to, um, 
come against what you're trying to do. So instead of you just saying it in the atmosphere, just do it. Just just do what you're going to do. And then after you do what you're going to do, then you can say, oh, well, I did it. Okay, that's fine. But sometimes you don't even need to say it because the enemy fights your words, you know, and he wants to make you a liar. So let me just remind you that God cannot work in an environment of unforgiveness or bitterness or anger. So don't let people put you in that environment. Don't let people put you in that state of mind. You know, people make promises all day. And that don't mean that they'll keep them, you know. And a lot of times we get, what, frustrated. We get disappointed. Yeah, you get disappointed. You get frustrated. If somebody promised you something, especially somebody that you trust, and you expect them to do what they say. Our word's supposed to be our bond. When we say something, we should honor what we say. But that does not guarantee that people honor what they say, you know. So the thing is, you can't hold it to heart, okay. You're going to do it, okay, just do it. If you don't do it, mm, that's fine. But I'm not going to hold it like, oh, they're going to do it, they're going to do it. Because if they don't, then I get so excited, they don't do it. I don't want that to creep in my heart. So God will walk, help us walk in absolute, um, absolutely um, being for, um, forgivable, being able to forgive um, one another. Amen. So forgiveness is very important. When you go over to Ephesians 4 and 32, Luke 17 verses 1 through 5, Matthew 18, 21, and 35. Again, Ephesians 4 and 32, Luke 17, 1 through 5, Matthew 18, 21, and 35. Amen. Because at the end of the day, when you allow unforgiveness and bitterness and anger sent into your heart, you won't have no room to do the will of God. It will hinder the work of God. It will hinder you doing what God has called you to do. Amen. Because you have unforgiveness in your heart. And you're not able to forgive others. And then that person may begin to look like the person that you mad at. Amen. And they don't have nothing to do with it. So now you don't like them because they look like or may smell like the person you don't like. So here come unforgiveness coming back in your heart again. So that's why you can't keep hard feelings. Amen. You got to let them go. But a lot of times we do, 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, even more. We keep so much unforgiveness in our heart. What our parents did to us, what our parents didn't do for us, what our mothers were supposed to do, what our fathers didn't do. We hold all that in our heart. You know, we're so mad at our parents. We're so mad at our loved ones because they did not do what they say. Let me tell you, a lot of times people ain't going to do what they say. But that don't mean they don't love you. Maybe something happened. Maybe something came up where they couldn't do it. Now, yes, they should have come and told you that they couldn't do it. But you got to remember, everybody is not like you. Everybody's character maybe is not like yours. Maybe people don't have integrity like you. Maybe they're not going to be upfront like you. Maybe you're an upfront person. Your character, you're going to tell people, I can't do it or I, this happened or blah, blah, blah. But that don't mean that everybody is like that. It's not saying that it's good. It's not good because if you say something, you should do it. But you got to just know people by their character. You have to know people by their character. Because when you know people by their character and know them, you would know, like, okay, if they if it don't happen, you already know their character. You know that's who they are, you know. They say one thing, oh, I'm going to come and do this, I'm going to say do this, and they don't do it. Guess what? You don't get mad because you're not saying that you're going to put in your mind, like, oh, they ain't going to come, no, because you don't want to create that atmosphere either. But you'll say, okay, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt to say they're going to come, and then they don't come, but... If they don't come, you don't get mad about it because you already knew they weren't going to come. So when you see them again, you be like, okay, I'm just still waiting. 
I'm just still waiting. Amen. Hallelujah. So you don't get upset about that. Amen. But a lot of times we hold those feelings. Amen. But we need to get right with those people who we have those who who uh, we need to get right with people who we um you know have issues with you know have any unforgiveness or anything like that you know just because you you know you 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 go and you ask them like okay I'm, I'm, I'm I forgive you you know forgive me that don't mean that you still have to deal with them in such a capacity to where it's like an everyday friendship or whatever no I mean, you can forgive somebody, and, and you don't have to deal with them like how you dealt with them. So, um, but at the same time, you still love them. But that don't mean you have to deal with them in that capacity on how you dealt with them before. Amen? But you have to truly forgive them from your heart, though. You can't really take the past and keep on throwing it back up. When you forgive them, leave it right there. And then when you see them, how you doing? Fine. I'm great. And then that's it. Now, you may not give them the same, hallelujah, um, space that you gave them prior. And that's okay. Because you've went through some things and you don't have to be a rug being walked over either. So at the end of the day, God begins to show you who people are. But at the end of the day, you just pray for them and you just pray that God changes them and allows them to become better people. Amen. And then there's some people who just not going to be better. There's just some people just going to continue to be who they are. And that's why the God turns them over to being, becoming a reprobate, you know, an enemy of God. And then when they become a reprobate and an enemy of God, you got to definitely leave them alone. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So we must learn to forgive. Amen. Because a lot of times we get offended quick. Just because of correction or we get offended, just because, just the littlest things, amen, and we allow our hearts to be hurt, we allow our hearts to be broken, and then feelings begin to come. But at the end of the day, we got to make sure that we stop that right there so that we won't allow unforgiveness to come in our heart, amen, because God cannot be in no atmosphere or environment of unforgiveness or bitterness or hatred or anger. Amen. So that's why I'm just praying that you allow any broken relationships or any misunderstandings that you may have. Try to deal with them. Try to go to them in love. Amen. And be able to deal with it. And sometimes you just got to pray through. You just got to let God just be God because you've already tried to talk to them. You've already tried to deal with them. You've already tried everything and they're still the same. So you have to just leave them over to God and let God be God. Amen. So at the end of the day, you got to make sure that you have that unconditional love, that unfailing, that unquestioning love. Amen. It means that you can forgive them and walk with them. Amen. And love them truly. Amen. But at the end of the day, you got to make sure that you're able to go through the last thing we're talking about, the examination. Because Jesus did not want them to focus so much on just the positioning. He wanted them to know it's better to serve than to be served. So that's why he addressed the issue right off the rip. Amen. He called their attention. And he said, a high seat seeking is nothing but worldly desire. Trying to sit in a high seat is nothing but self-ambitious. Trying to sit in a high seat is nothing but just your own motive just trying to get ahead. Amen. 
But at the end of the day, it's about serving. Amen. Would you give your seat up to somebody that needs a seat? Will you give your seat up to somebody that are in need? Amen. So at the end of the day, he wanted them to understand that the highest goal was to serve. The highest goal was to do the work of the kingdom first. Amen. So they needed to have the expectation. Amen. The expectation was to know that no matter what seat they sit in, they're going to always be at the right hand of, of Jesus Christ. Amen. So at the end of the day, he wanted them to be a servant, knowing how to serve, being able to recognize and being able to respect others. Amen. And giving up their own ambitions and their own selfishness in order to live their days out by serving others, meaning that it would bring more glory to God serving others than being served. Amen. It would bring more glory to God in helping others more than we just help ourselves. So we got to be willing to help others, sometimes even before we help ourselves. Amen. And when we, he said we must first start by being a slave, it's not literally like a slave, what we think of meaning a slave, meaning that we have to not always think about us. Because a lot of times it's all about us, us, us. But what about them? What about those that really are in need? Those that need a word of encouragement, those that may need a coat on their back, though. And then sometimes we just give them our hand hand me downs. Will we give them our best? Will we go into closet and get them our fur coat? Or will we just give them a coat that we had in the sixth grade? Amen. See, are we willing to give them our best? So Jesus had to teach them in a in a childlike, come on, in a childlike uh, I'll say uh classroom. Amen. Because he wanted them to know about service. He wanted them to know about servanthood. He wanted them to know that it wasn't about just becoming an adult first. But you got to first be able to become a child. And when you're able to become a child and you go through and you graduate from becoming a child, then you go to become an adolescent. Then from an adolescent, you become a teenager. And from a teenager, you become an adult. And now you understand adult things. So you're not looking at things in this world, but you understand these spiritual things. You're understanding things that are more important to the kingdom of God and not just only to your desire. That's just like when we train our children, when we teach our children. When we as parents have children, they learn what giving and service are all about. When that child is born, you give and you give and you give. When that child grows, you give and you give and you give. And often, even after they reach adulthood, you continue to give and give and give, often receiving nothing in return. See, that's why Jesus wanted to use this childlike with them, because he needed them to understand servanthood. Because at the end of the day, they could not serve unless they was willing to die out. So the lesson, so the lesson in all of this was serving. The lesson in all of this was not only to be served, but to serve. Amen. So the Lord continued to be faithful to us. When we learn to be faithful to him, we have to be selfless, 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 serving others without giving a thought to what we may receive in return. A lot of times when we preach the gospel, we're saying, is they going to pay? Is they going to, if they're going to sow, is they going to, it's not about that. We're preaching God's word. The word of God will take care of us. Well, would they do this? Would they do that? No, we ain't worried about that. 
The word of God will prick our hearts. The word of God will bring an unction in us that make us do the unknown, the things that we wouldn't expect to do. The spirit of God will make us react in such a way. So if we're looking for any respect, we got to learn to serve. We have to learn to serve first. Amen. And respect those who serve. Respect this earth. It's not demanded. So we must learn to serve rather than to be served. And do you know what? It's always good to say thank you. It's always good to say a welcome. It's always good to say good morning. How are you? But a lot of times people don't respond that way. When they do something, when you do something for people, sometimes they don't even say thank you. When they give you something, sometimes they don't say welcome. When they see you, they speak, they come and just say what they want to say. They don't say good morning, good afternoon, how are you? They go right into what they want. They go right into what? They petition. But there has to be a response. And the response in the revelation, what we're talking about, is being ready to serve rather than to be served. Amen. And when you're ready to serve and rather to be to serve, then a spiritual pattern is created. A sacrificial service is being provided. Because now you're able to serve open heartedly. You're able to serve without wanting anything in return. And you're able to serve with uh, a heart of God. Amen. So, again, I hope that we learned something on today. Um, we talked about, and we have finished this up on next. Um, you know what? We got a couple more minutes. Let me go ahead because it's just a couple more things. I can finish I can finish it up. So, the spiritual pattern and last verse, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So that's the spiritual pattern that we need to pattern. We need to make sure that we are patterning after. Amen? Because Jesus uses his impending sacrifice as the ultimate um, example of a sacrificial service. He sets the pattern of all of his people are commanded to follow. That's why I said the premise, meaning the word even reminds us of who Jesus is. He is the son of God. He is God in the flesh. If anyone who ever walked in on this earth should have been served, it should have been Jesus. The way we fall down to these people, we need to fall to Jesus like that. We fall down to people more than we fall down to Jesus. We go to um, serve our jobs. We go serve people. But when it comes to spending time with Jesus, when it comes to making a sacrifice to Jesus, hey, we don't do it at all. It's only when it benefits us. But are we willing to make a sacrifice? Come into Jesus when he tells us, sow this, sow that, go help, do that, do this. Are we willing to sacrifice like that? See, the thing is, he could have commanded the legions of angels to do everything. But instead, he walked many dusty miles serving those around him. He could have come to this world as a king and been born in a palace with service and great wealth. But instead, he was born in a stable, in a manger, in a dirt, in poverty. He did not come to be served. He came to serve. If our God is willing to serve um, sinfully humanity, we should be willing to serve as well. Some people think that they are too good to serve others. Jesus Christ never thought that. He got down into the mud with falling men and women so that they, so he can lift them out of every struggle, every circumstance that they face, everything to bring change in every situation. May God also give us a heart like that to serve because he had passion. 
See, the Lord's passion to serve was such that he was willing to take the place of the slave. The greatest example of that we can see was the night before he went to the cross. When Jesus and the disciples finished their meal in the upper room, Jesus put a towel around his waist and washed his disciples' feet. When you go over to John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, then he took the place of a slave and washed the dirty feet of them. They should have washed his feet, but he washed their feet. Even, come on now, the one that was going to betray him, even the one that was going to betray him and deny him three times, come on. He washed their feet. He washed the feet of Peter, like I said, who was going to deny him three times. He even washed the feet of Judas, who was going to betray him in the hands of the enemy that very night. The same night. Jesus freely served those who would break his heart. When the next day died, Jesus performed the greatest service of all when he went to Calvary to die on the cross for you and me. And was on the side of a thief and a robber. And guess what? They still said crucify him. Service was his passion. Servant was his passion. Servant was his life. Service was his life. May that same passion. May that same service. Grip your hearts today. May we freely take the place of Jesus Christ. The same servanthood. The same servitude. The same service, the same passion, so that we can count the cost, the price. The cost of service for Jesus was extremely high. It cost him his very life. Jesus willfully went to his death to save us. He cared nothing about himself. He suffered the shame, the pain, the humility, the agony on the cross just for us sinners. He experienced the undiluted wrath of God Almighty, just for us. He took the place of a, uh, of a common criminal and was judged as a rebel to those that was on the side of him, just to save us. He entered into death that we may have life. He did it. Why? Because he loved us. He did it. Why? Because he hated sin. He did it. Why? To satisfy God and God Almighty. He did it to please his father. He did it so that we can have freedom. He did it so that we can walk in liberty. He did it so we can be whole. So what was his reward? What was his reward for dying for us? The reward should be that we should serve him. Open heartedly. We should continue to proclaim his name day and night. Amen. Because at the end of the day, it's all about service. It's all about our sacrifice. And it's all about serving. That's what we need. And that's what we need to be. We need to be service. We need to be servants. And we need to understand sacrifice. Not sacrifice to benefit us, but sacrificing things for our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when we learn those things, the greatest reward that we can receive is the crown. The crown of life. Amen. And to be in the face of our father. And we don't have to worry or fight about who's going to sit at the right hand or sit at the left hand or sit in the front seat. Because we're already at the right hand with our father. And no matter what low place we may be in, we know the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Because God will elevate us to wherever we need to be. So let's keep on reaching higher heights and depths in God. 
Let us continue to reach out to the things that will please God. Let us continue to exhort him and humble ourselves. Because when we humble ourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, we may be exalted in due time. Let God exalt you. Don't exalt yourself. Don't let people exalt you. Don't let money exalt you. Don't let your own wisdom and your own understanding exalt you. Don't let the anointing you think you have exalt you. Let God Almighty exalt you. Let the Spirit of God exalt you. Let the Holy Spirit exalt you. Become selfless so that you can serve. And when you become selfless, then God will be able to move in you. God will begin to use you. God will begin to speak to you. And I'm telling you, the greatest thing that you can ever do in the kingdom of God is serve. Amen and glory to God. So we thank God today for such a powerful message. Amen. For our teaching, for our biblical study. Amen. Counting the cost, finishing first principle. Hallelujah. In the book of Mark chapter 10 verses 35 through 55. Go back through the scriptures that I've given unto you during the study. And I thank God for your life and for those that are joined us. And we're going to go ahead and end right now. So we thank everybody for joining us. And we'll be back same time next week. 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If God is willing. SOAR International Outreach Network. I am Lady Apostle. May God bless you. In Jesus name. Have a great evening. Bye.